no matter how tough things are, no matter how bad things may be, no matter what you're going through, we can choose to spiral down and make everything even worse than it is by focusing everything on everything that's wrong and everything that's sad and everything that should upset us, causing even more pain. Or we can choose to balance our pain um, with a lot of positive. Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Team Serious Tri Club live chat. Just me tonight, uh, my amazing, beautiful wife. Um, we've had a bit of a, a tragedy. Um, my best friend's father passed away on Sunday and my best friend's father happens to be Beck's mom's partner. So um, unexpected, uh, really, really sad. Uh, had a pretty rough week actually, losing our horse Heartsey here at Believe Ranch and Rescue, losing someone very near and dear to us in Russell Harrop, uh, rest in peace, beautiful man. He's incredible and we're gonna miss him so much. But Beck is in Australia uh, supporting her mom and Russell's family. Um, so sad week, but that brings me to a topic that I wanted to discuss because it doesn't just have to do with triathlon, but very much about life. Hi, Diana, great to see you. I miss you. I hope I get to see you in person soon. Um, but it had me thinking, you know, this week was a tough week for us. We had a lot of loss, um, a lot of sadness and, but what we've learned through time is that no matter how tough things are, no matter how bad things may be, no matter what you're going through, we can choose to spiral down and make everything even worse than it is by focusing everything on everything that's wrong and everything that's sad and everything that should upset us, causing even more pain, or we can choose to balance our pain um, with a lot of positives. And this also has a lot to do with racing, you guys. You may be in the midst of a race. It could be your A race, something you've been training for for an entire year. And you show up on that day and you're having issues. Maybe you've got cramping going on, or maybe you've got a niggle that's keeping you from going as hard and as fast and as strong as you planned on. And we can choose to focus purely on what's going wrong and have that lead to going even worse, feeling even worse, feeling even sadder, feeling even more disappointed. Or we can accept what's going on and say, okay, this hurts, this is painful, this isn't ideal, but there are so many other great things, whether it be in my life right now or so many great things that I have going for me in the midst of this race. I'll stick to this race metaphor. You're in a race, it's your A race, you've been gearing up for it all year, you're in the shape of your life, and you start the swim, I'm making up a story here, you start the swim and you strain your calf as you're running into the water. And you think to yourself, oh my God, I can't kick on the swim. 
How am I going to bike with any power? How am I even going to be able to run? And what we could do is absolutely start negative spiraling, worrying about what could go wrong and all the horrible things about what just happened. Or we can say, okay, this happened. I've got a little bit of a strain in the calf, but I'm at my A race. I've worked so hard all year. I'm prepared, I'm fit, I'm strong, I'm fast, I'm mentally fit, and I'm gonna make the very best out of this day. And so what you do is you focus on what you can do with what you have. Focus on what you can do to the best of your ability. And most importantly, it's a matter of disciplining your thoughts. You know, who are you putting in charge to race this race on this day where things are not going well? Are you gonna put in charge the one that's gonna judge yourself and get angry with yourself and get upset and sad and cry and feel like a victim? Or are you gonna put your badass warrior or warrioress in charge and say, let's make this the most amazing day we can regardless of what's going wrong? You get to choose who's in charge every single day of your life. And what I ask of all of you is to choose that person that serves you the best. Choose that person that brings out the best in you. Choose that person that aims to keep you happy and at peace and being the best that you can, no matter what's going on around you. Because, and actually my athlete, Mary Carmen Farias, had a race where a lot of things were going wrong. She wasn't feeling as well as she hoped to on the day. And she writes about this because we talk about this nearly every single day in training and at practice. And that is that we are totally 1 million percent in charge of the experiences that we have on a daily basis and how we feel about them and how we respond to them. And when things are tough, when things are going wrong, focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. Focus on what you want to create. Okay, so it's not an ideal day, but I want to make this the best day that I can. That's focusing on what you want to create, not, do not focus on what you don't want to have happen. Oh, I'm going to fall apart and I'm going to be so slow and everybody's going to laugh at me and everyone's going to be disappointed. Like that's just not true and it's not serving you. So focus on what you want to create, not on what you fear happening or don't want to have happen. Focus on what you have all the control over, which is your effort and your attitude and the meaning that you're giving this situation or whatever is happening to you. And don't focus on what you have no control over because that doesn't serve you. It's not going to bring out the best in you. It's just going to make things worse. So guys, in every situation in life, in a race, in a training session, do the best that you can with what you have. Focus on what you have, not on what you don't have, what you want, not on what you don't want, and what you can control, not on what you can't. Let's all choose. Let's all give ourselves permission to rise when all we feel like doing is falling to the floor. Let's give ourselves permission to find joy even in the toughest, most difficult times. Let's give ourselves permission to choose joy and love over sadness and unhappiness or fear every single day. It's a choice and we just need to discipline our thoughts and our minds and decide who's in charge. Who's in charge today and every day? Um, hi everybody, sorry, I just kind of got into a bit of a rant. 
um, a positive rant though, because it's so easy. Um, life is all about peaks and valleys. You're gonna have amazing times where everything's going great, and you're gonna have times where everything's a struggle. And for Beck and I, it's been a period of loss. We've lost a few horses. We've lost people we love. And in times like that, um, as far as dealing with loss and stuff like that, um, as sad, as awful, as painful as it is, focus on the joy you shared with that person or that animal. Focus on the amazing memories you have. Focus on all the good. And have that at least balance out your pain. I'm not saying that the pain's gonna go away, and it shouldn't. We all need to mourn, we all need to feel and, and work through those difficult times. But let's balance that with the positive, the love, the joy, the peace, the good memories, so that we allow ourselves to get through the difficult time with a lot more grace and a lot more faith and more moments of joy and happiness. Um, thank you guys. Uh, I like what Megan Newman has said here, adapt, adjust, and overcome the song of my life. Well, isn't that amazing? Imagine the strength that you must have, Megan. Okay, those of you out there that feel that life is always a struggle, number one, think about that. All of you, I want all of you here right now to finish this sentence, life is. Because whatever your answer is, is what your experience of life will always be. Now, for me, as you can tell probably from this conversation we're having, life is a gift. So no matter what it sends me, good, bad, happy, sad, I know that whatever I'm going through is going to be a gift. It's giving me something that I can use to create a better life for myself in the future. The tough times when we struggle, when we overcome, we are building up a strength beyond anything we could ever imagine. And that strength is going to lead you able to, to get through anything that comes your way and able to achieve amazing things in your lives. So, but think about it. If you have, if you finish that sentence, life is, uh, life can be a game or life is hard, okay? Whatever we define life as is what we will always find proof that it is. So think about that. And I'd love to hear your answers. You know, if you need to think about that overnight, you know, just write on the wall tomorrow and tell me what, how you finish that sentence. Life is. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope, I hope that helped uh, some of you. I know, um, I hope it did. Even one person, that would mean the world to me. Um, so we had a couple questions on the wall and um, I'll answer them. One of them uh, was about the kick on the swim. I think this was from Leanna. Um, how important is your kick in swimming and in triathlon? And how hard should you kick was the question. Now, I personally was the worst kicker in the history of kicking. And I, in my training group in the last two years of racing, we'd get in and we'd always start every swim with 850s kick. I would be on number two when the whole rest of my squad had finished all eight. 
I was the slowest kicker. It would literally take me like three and a half, four minutes sometimes to kick a 50. Yet, I had gotten myself to be swimming uh, some, actually many times in the front pack in an ITU World Cup race. So for me, I can say from my own experience that the kick means nothing as far as being able to swim great in a triathlon, especially with the wetsuit, which helped me a ton. But that being said, I use kick all the time for my athletes as a form of recovery. And I always tell them, this is not, I'm never gonna give you an interval for the kick. I'm never going to tell you to do it fast or easy. The kicking is just purely to flush out the legs and help you recover from a hard run or a hard bike. Now, sometimes, um, and this is where it gets a little complicated, sometimes someone's kick doesn't match their stroke. So for example, if I have an athlete that's got a really high stroke rate, which is what we want, as long as you're getting a powerful catch, a deep, powerful pull, and a powerful finish out the back. But if they've got a slow kick going along with this fast stroke rate, their rhythm is gonna be completely off. So in that case, I'm gonna say, okay, we need to work on your kick. Let's get this to a six beat kick, which is gonna better um, balance, better uh, go along with your stroke rate. So in that case, the kick becomes more important because it is necessary to establish rhythm with your swim stroke. Now this is a lot uh, to talk about rather than to show you. So anyone who's coming to the camp in January will definitely go through this kind of stuff. But as far as the kick goes, we use it for rhythm. We use it for power to add power to your stroke. Um, but your ability to kick with a kickboard and if you're slow or fast does not mean anything, to me at least. Um, but in a race, um, the, the other part of this question was, should you kick hard or should you save your legs? Now for me, those of you that have known me for many, many years, we never save anything for any moment, okay? It is, especially in a sprint race or an Olympic race, you're giving it everything you've got from start to finish. Um, so the kick, I believe, is so very important because the other thing too, especially in an Ironman, if you've been saving your legs and not kicking much for the entire swim, when you get on land and you get on your bike, you're almost gonna feel like you don't have legs. Has anyone here on this call ever felt like when you got off the swim, you had no legs and it took you 5K or 10K even on the bike to get your legs back? It's probably because you didn't kick enough or kick strong enough, at least in the last 400 meters of your swim, to get the blood flowing to the legs to have them come alive. So with my athletes, I always encourage them to use a strong kick. We always use a strong kick in training, except if we're doing band only or pull buoy band. But in hard swims, I'm always saying, get the kick, use your kick, make it strong. And the more we use the kick in training, we're gonna go faster, we're gonna go stronger, but most importantly in racing, you're gonna keep those legs alive. So the minute you get on the bike, you're gonna feel amazing, you'll have your strength and boom, you're ready to go. Um, one way to figure out how well you're kicking or not as far as using your kick is to do, we in season will do swim turbo sessions a lot. 
and it's to get that feel of going from the swim onto the bike and being able to feel good right off the bat. So that's a great form of training that if you're not doing that now, it's a great idea to do that basically anytime during the year, but definitely during race season. So I hope that answered your question, Leanna. Um, yeah, I hope I answered your question. The next question was, after a partial hamstring tear six weeks ago, and I forget who asked this question, so I apologize, um, and I can't see without my glasses, which is why I'm not looking, um, but how to get back into training after having a partial hamstring tear six weeks post-injury? Um, and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to talk about coming back from any kind of an injury and how you kind of get back into training and ensure that you now stay healthy. Now that you've fixed the injury and you're healthy, let's make sure it never comes back again. Um, Ellie Salthouse had a, an injury kind of like this, not necessarily a partial tear, but a very similar issue in her hamstrings. And one of the most important things, and this kind of goes along with what I was saying earlier, is when you are injured, you do what you can with what you have. So if you're unable to run and with a hamstring tear, probably unable to ride, um, what can you do? You can swim for sure. Maybe you're not allowed to kick, but you can use a pull buoy, you can build up your strength, you can work on your stroke rate. And most importantly, you can build up tremendous aerobic fitness by swimming. So when you're injured, there's no reason why you should lose fitness because we can maintain that aerobic fitness in by swimming every single day and upping your swim and improving your swim and getting stronger and technically more efficient. So the key is when you're injured, make sure you're doing what you can do. Um, other things that you can work on is core strength. Um, core strength is going is so crucially important to so many things. Um, starting with the swim, the transference of power from the front of your stroke and your catch through your core and out the back of your stroke is what propels you forward. Um, on the bike, even that little bit of holding onto the bars and pulling in as you push down on the pedals brings that power through your arms, through your core, into your legs and into the pedals. Adds to greater strength, greater power on the bike. And for running, that core strength is what holds your technique together and allows you to have that efficient uh, run form that enables you to run faster with less effort, which is what we all need. So working that core strength totally should be done during a time of injury. As you start getting back, um, building up your strength uh, the best that you can. And again, I hope that if you have something like a tear of some sort or um, any kind of an injury that's severe like that, make sure that you have someone guiding your physical therapy process so that you're not doing too much too soon. But building up that foundation of strength is so incredibly important so that when you do get back to biking, you do get back to running, um, your body is ready to take on that added work. Um, but getting back into running, I would always start, I would never start just running on day one when you've been told you can run. 
I would start with water running. As soon as you are able and you get the green light from whoever you're working with, getting in and doing deep water running with a belt. Always use a belt. Some people think, oh, it's not cool to wear a belt. I look so silly. If you don't use a belt, you're gonna develop other problems, back issues, lower back issues, things like that. So wear a deep water running belt. Um, and what I do, this is a great way also to stimulate your fitness and to really get yourself in great running form before you even touch the ground, is do a ton of intervals when you're deep water running. Your heart rate probably isn't gonna go up higher than you can probably get it on the bike, maybe not even that high, but so you can go hard um, and not destroy yourself physically. So um, I have my athletes water run probably every other day when they're coming back from an injury. Um, and as long as that's turning out okay, if that looks like things are working out well and you're healing well and you're moving forward, then if you have the luxury of having something like an Altergy in your town, that is one of the most incredible tools I think that has ever been developed. And it's basically a treadmill that is weight assisted. So um, I don't know if that's the term, but where you can get on and run at 50% of your body weight and you know you build up over time and and there's a very specific build up i would give so if you want further details um write me personally and i can give that to you but um there's a build up in how much time you're doing but you would go from 50 percent body weight to 60 percent body weight you know after two or three days at 50 percent then up to 65 percent after three three days at 60 percent and start building up until you're actually running um, at 100% body weight, at which point you know you're ready uh, to get on the land. But if you don't have the Alter-G, but you should look and see if you do because they are incredible. If you don't have an Alter-G, the way to truly get back into running and do it safely um, is to start with walking running. And that means, you know, jog a minute, walk a minute. Uh, jog a minute, walk a minute. 15 times and see how you pull up. Make sure everything feels okay. If there's any pain, you stop, you go back to the water again. Um, and then if the one minute on, one minute off is fine, you can build that to two minutes on, one minute walking, two minutes jogging, one minute walking. And a build up like this, and I know it sounds so boring and so laborious and you've gotta have a lot of patience but there's nothing better than managing an injury and truly letting yourself heal and coming back where you can become stronger than ever before because you've done it right. And there won't be any risk of falling back into that injury that has been plaguing you. So like I always say to my athletes, first of all, if you feel a niggle coming on, stop take a day, two days, three days, whatever, until the pain is totally gone and you'll be back training. Whereas if you try and push through the session and finish it because you just can't stop, you may be out for three months. It's never worth pushing through a niggle. Um, but that being said, I know that it can be tough to distinguish whether something is an actual injury or just, um, you know, muscular pain from training hard or from pushing hard. And if you listen to your gut and truly um, listen to your body, 
um, it will tell you the truth and you'll know what to do. But managing injuries, there it's an art. It's an art and it's a science. And no matter what, especially because you have this incredible group and this team around you, if you're going through an injury of some sort, ask for advice, ask us for advice. We wanna see you healthy and happy and thriving and training and racing and loving it. So ask for advice, um, never hesitate. We're here to help you guys. Um, yeah, it is frustrating being, I'm getting a, I actually need two hip replacements, um, but I'm getting one in December. I've finally had to say yes to it because um, it's severely limited my ability to be active and healthy and fit. So I am taking the plunge on December 13th and I myself am not looking forward to it, but maybe I can do a little something with anyone else who's getting back from injury. Um, I'll put together a little plan of doing it right and keeping a good attitude and really staying positive and proactive during a time where, you know, that's an effort. So, okay, I'm gonna put my glasses on, everybody. Deep water running info. Thank you, Dan, that's awesome. Um, Laura, what is your technical advice on climbing and descending hills on the bike? We've done a couple um, podcasts, I think, on this, which you should refer to also, um, because this is definitely an amazing question. So technical advice on climbing. Um, First of all, uh, depending on how much climbing you've been doing. Now, if you're on one of our plans, we prepare you so that you are building up strength and power on the hills by progressively adding resistance and having you do intervals. Um, they're low heart rate intervals, but they're strength muscular uh, intervals where you start building up to being able to ride at like 50 cadence which is really slow, but having you do it where you're pushing down and pulling up on the pedals and truly having power all around the pedal strokes, building up that strength and that power. It doesn't get your heart rate up high. I'm not asking you to go hard, but what we want is those muscles to feel like they're really working hard and you're building strength. If you have not prepared in that way to actually hit the hills outside, um, the best way, and if you're ever riding with cyclists and you're doing big gear work, they are, I can guarantee you're gonna tell you, what are you doing? Why are you riding such a low cadence? Go in an easier gear, spin more, because they're cyclists and they don't have to run off the bike and they don't, it's not triathlon, it's a totally different sport. So if you have someone saying that to you, you just tell them Siri and Beck told you to ride this way and you, you're trusting us and that's all. And I guarantee you, you will find the improvement and the progress that you're looking for. But if you haven't done the big girl work first, which I strongly recommend, I think getting on the turbo and building up your power and your strength that way by doing some um, higher resistance work, but building up to it. Start at like 75 cadence for a week and then drop it to 70 cadence and then 65. And eventually you'll, you can hit the hills. But uh, depending on what you're looking for, if you're looking to build strength climbing hills, um, you know, playing around with a different range of cadences is a great way to build up power and strength. Um, and that means, you know, if you're doing a 30 minute climb, 
maybe doing 10 minutes at your race cadence, which we've talked about often. And if that doesn't make sense, um, we can discuss that. There are a lot of podcasts with that as well, but typically race cadence is about 80 to 84 for most of our athletes. So you'd be climbing at that race cadence for about 10 minutes if that's possible. Sometimes it gets too steep and you simply can't. But the goal would be to hold that cadence and then add a gear or two gears or three, depending on how much you've been doing, to lower your cadence and really force you to have to work that much harder climbing up the hill. This is for building more strength climbing, but if you're just going out to have a great climb, you know, you wanna start by getting up it, if you have the same hill that you climb all the time. First time you head out there, just get up it and do a mix of coming out of the saddle and staying seated. But as you do the, the climb more and more, I would recommend because we race in our bars and, and you know, down in the saddle, um, I would climb as much as you can unless you absolutely have to get out of the saddle, climb in your bars to build up strength, to build up power in the position that you're gonna be racing in. Because you'll be working different muscles. If you're climbing and you're out of the bars, you're building strength in different areas than you are climbing in the bars in the position you're going to race in so those are some tips for climbing on the descent um most important thing that someone told me is look where you want to go not where you don't want to go because if you're looking like oh my god oh my god oh my god i don't want to fall off the mountain you're gonna be headed towards falling off the mountain. So always focus on where you wanna go, not on where you don't wanna go, which takes me back to what we were talking about in the beginning. It changes everything. But unfortunately on a bike descending quickly, you definitely don't wanna focus on where you don't wanna go. You wanna focus on where you wanna go. So look to where you wanna go and that will help direct the bike in that direction. As you turn to the left, for example, that inside leg is always up, okay? So as I'm going left, the inside leg is up, and then if I have a strong right-hand turn, my right leg is up. Because as you turn, that's gonna bring your pedal closer to the road, so you wanna make sure that leg is up so that you don't clip the pedal on the road. Um, always sit back on your saddle. Um, as you're descending, you're just gonna feel like you have so much more control and you'll feel more secure and stable if you're sitting back on your saddle. So if you sit in an aggressive position racing and you're up on kind of the tip of your saddle, if you head down a, a steep descent, shift back, sit on the back, put all your weight on the back of the saddle, you'll feel like you have so much more control. And you want to be just like riding in gusty winds, like in Kona. The last thing you want to do in gusty winds is be holding on real tight and get all stiff because it's just going to blow you over. But if you're loose and relaxed and breathing, you will be much better able to maneuver your bike and get down the hill efficiently, effectively, and safely. So stay relaxed as best that you can. Breathe look where you want to go, and those would be my best tips for uh, climbing and descending. I hope that helped you guys. Um, one more question. Um, 
Let's see. Hi, Adele. Nice to see you. Karen, you're amazing. I love you. Uh, Mary Carmen. Thank you, guys. Now, I wanted to... Beck is always so good. I miss my wife so much. She's always so good at welcoming our new members. So all of you new members, um, I'm not going to list all of your names, but we are so thrilled to have you in our family and to have you in our tribe. And we hope that um, you use us to the fullest, make some great friends, ask questions, uh, get active on this Facebook page. We have so many amazing people in this family. It's a tribe. We're here to help bring out the best in each other every single day. And we are just so thrilled that you joined us. So welcome. Um, yeah, and to all of you, Ah, Meten, hi. Yay, this is my athlete, you guys. She's a runner, and she is in Okinawa. And she's saying, I finally managed to adjust the time difference. Well done. It's great to have you here. And Cam, amazing to have you here. Thanks again to Cam Langsford, who does so much for us. He is just brilliant and amazing, and we couldn't do what we do without you. And I would like to thank, whoopsie. Um, my amazing coaches that are online here, Maddie Pesh, uh, Mary Carmen Farias, uh, Karen Burks, um, I don't know if Troy's on, but to all, and Rebecca, of course, my amazing wife, um, and Yvonne Van Vlerken, you guys are incredible, um, so grateful to have such an incredible team of coaches. Guys, you are all in amazing hands, and we love you all, we thank you for being here, and hopefully some of you guys, I'm also doing the Bedhead Chronicles nearly every morning. And I would love you guys to be listening. And Cam Langsford has made it um, somehow, put it on iTunes. So you can watch the Bedhead Chronicles or listen to the Bedhead Chronicles there. And I hope you enjoy it. But to all of you, um, thank you for being a part of this incredible group. We love you. And if you have any questions that I didn't answer tonight, please Write them on the wall, and I will absolutely get back to you. But have an amazing week, everyone, and we'll see you next Monday. Thank you.